Uh, we're going to get into this matter of Noah again. I think we covered this the week before. And uh, in the previous week, we covered Noah as a person whose life and work changed the age. And I really appreciate our brother Chris's sharing. Uh, we should think that we can have a life and living that can change the age. And that this account of Noah applies very much to us, and even in the age that we're in. So to start us off, uh, how about let's read Matthew 24, 37 through 39. We could read that all together. For just as... eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day in which Noah entered into the ark, and they did not know that judgment was coming until the flood came and took all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so this passage in Matthew 24 is a whole section on the Lord speaking to the disciples about his second coming. And here he uses the account of Noah in the Old Testament, which we've been covering. We covered it last week, this week, and then next week we'll uh, touch a final uh, subject on this regarding baptism. And so the Lord Jesus uses the account of Noah as an illustration of the current age that we're in. And, of course, in Noah's time, there was all kind of ungodly things going on, and God could not tolerate it anymore. And he decided to send the flood to clear off the earth of unrighteousness. Uh, furthermore, there was a mixing uh, of the angelic race with the race of man. Uh, and there's a verse here, uh, from First Peter that also touches on that. And so there was this corruption of mankind that started from the fall and began to become worse and worse, uh, including the mixing of the angelic life with the human life, producing the Nephilim. And if you recall in the Old Testament, these were giants on the earth that were this uh, illegal union of the angelic life with the human life. And God had no choice except to clear the earth away, to have a new start so that his purpose could be accomplished. And again, his purpose is for him, for the divine life, to be joined with the human life. And that was the man Jesus Christ. He was the first God-man, the complete god the perfect man joined together uh, in one man and thereby accomplishing God's purpose to express God and represent God. And because man had fallen to such an extent, God had to have a new start with Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And so uh, God instructed Noah to construct the ark and we're going to see a deeper significance of what the ark is. Uh, the ark, on the one hand, is a type of Christ himself. Uh, 
We'll see this in the verses. There's a reference to this ark when it settled on the Mount Ararat. Uh, that this is a picture of resurrection. So the ark there is a picture of Christ in resurrection after the flood started to recede. So let's uh, continue with uh, one. Uh, with Noah and his family, we have a seed of the church life. Uh, the ark of Noah passed through the water of death and came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. This is a type of Christ in resurrection, passing through death and resurrection out of death. Uh, how about let's read, everyone, let's read First uh, Peter 3, 20 through 21. Who had formerly disobeyed when the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, entering into which a few, that is eight souls, were brought safely through water, which water as the antitype now, now saves you, that is baptism, not a putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the appeal of a good conscience unto God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is not just some interpreter today, uh, you know, interpreting the type of the ark as that of Christ going through death and resurrection. This is done by Peter, right? And that even he uh, shows that the ark passing through the death waters is a picture of baptism. So in baptism, and actually this will be the topic for next week, in baptism, uh, one way that it's practiced is that the person being baptized is immersed in the water. And then the person comes out of the water in resurrection. So you see that? So to be put into the water, to be buried in the water, is to be buried with Christ. And to be brought up out of the water is to be resurrected with Christ. And this picture of Noah building the ark, which is both a picture of Christ as well as the church. So God today is building the church. And that's one, maybe we can skip ahead if you look under Roman numeral 2, uh, Matthew 16. 18 through 19. How about let's read this together. I know it's skipping ahead a little bit, but it's relevant. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens, and whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in the heavens. And whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loosed in the heavens. So this prophecy, this greatest prophecy uttered by the Lord Jesus concerns the building up of the church. And this church is not just Christ the head. Of course, Christ himself is the foundation. Uh, and upon this rock, Peter and this is the context of the verses here. Peter means stone. He's a stone to be built upon the foundation, which is Christ, which ultimately consummates as the church. And so the life and the work that 
turns the age is a life and work that builds up the church. And by building up the church and entering into the church, and even when before the, blood, the flood started, it says that God shut the door of the ark. It's a blessing to be shut into the church. I think some of us have had the experience. We entered into the church. We believed. We were baptized. And we were in the church. And maybe we got offended. Maybe you know, we, our hearts grew cold. But still, we could not leave the church. God has shut us in. And so this is a picture of us being put into Christ, not just the individual Christ, but the corporate Christ. Uh, Christ is not just the head, but he's also the body. The church is none other than Christ himself as the corporate Christ, with he as the head and with all the members, as members of the body of Christ as the church of God. And so this ark that is able to pass through God's judgment, signified by the waters that the earth was judged with, and is able to pass through death and enter into resurrection, is altogether a picture of Christ himself, the one who is able to enter into death and rise in resurrection. And we all are being put into him, built into him, so that we also have the ability to go through death and enter into resurrection. That's how we're saved. How how else could we be saved unless we were joined to this one who could pass through death and enter into resurrection? So that his history, his experience, also becomes our history and our experience. And that his death becomes our death, his resurrection becomes our resurrection. You know, God's way of solving all the problems on the earth is not to fix things in an outward way. His way is termination through the cross. And so you see today, you know, the, the Jews and the Palestinians are at war. And, you know, some may hope for peace. And of course, we, we want peace. Uh, the Bible tells us we should pray for peace so that the gospel can be preached and that the people can have a proper church life in the, within the ark. We're to pray for this. But until the Lord's second coming, there's going to be no solution to the problems on the earth. As much as we hope for peace, actually, there will only be peace through the cross of Christ, which terminates everything. Uh, even within the church, there can be disagreements. Right? We, we can get offended in the church life. We can be offended by our brothers and sisters. And often God's way is not a way of some kind of uh, manipulation of the, the situation, some kind of solution. His way is termination through the cross. Uh, when we get touched by the Lord, when the Lord shines on us, when the Lord infuses His life and His nature into us, we just have the capacity to forgive. When the cross is applied to us through the Spirit, you know, there's a verse that says we, we should put to death the practices of the flesh by the Spirit. That means that the cross, the experience of Christ that He had on the cross is applied to us through the Spirit. Amen. When we experience Christ's death and Christ's resurrection, 
we can have a church life where we're able to forgive one another. And of course, you know, the apostle charges us to forgive one another, even as Christ forgave us, even as God in Christ forgave us. Okay, so uh, let's go back to B. The living of Noah and his family after the flood signifies the living of the church in Christ's resurrection. This is a seed of the church life. So we've been presenting in the various accounts in Genesis uh, different seeds, you can say, that develop through the Bible and are fully harvested at the end of the Bible in Revelation. Uh, one of this is the matter of life, the tree of life. So if you remember, we talked about the seed of this great matter of the divine life uh, is presented in Genesis, and it's developed throughout the Bible, and at the end, there is a city of life, where there is again in the New Jerusalem, the tree of life and the river of water of life. That's a seed that is planted in Genesis, and it grows throughout the Bible and is harvested in Revelation. So here we have a seed of the church life. Uh, so Noah and his family, uh, after they came out of the ark, that signifies a church life in Christ's resurrection. Whereas at one point we were dissatisfied in the world, we uh, were bitter uh, in the world, uh, trying to be satisfied uh, doing this or that. Uh, but when we experience a dynamic salvation from God, uh, through the experience of Christ's death and resurrection, uh, we enter into uh, a new situation, a situation in resurrection, which is the church life, uh, where we, we were separated from our former past. Actually, this should be the proper experience of our Christian baptism. This baptism separates us from the world, just like well, I don't want to say too much about this. This will be next week's topic. But just like the Red Sea separated the children of Israel from Egypt, signifying the world. So here we have Noah and the Aid and his family being separated from that evil and sinful and God-forsaking generation uh, to have a church life in resurrection. Okay, now we're moving on to Roman numeral two. With Noah and his family, we have a shadow of the kingdom. Not only is the church uh, a church that is in resurrection uh, and having the constituents of the church, the members of the church, in a new situation separated from the world, but this church life is also the kingdom. So we have... Uh, the, the seed um, of, you know, in Roman numeral one, the seed of the church life, and then we also have a shadow of the kingdom. And so the account here is that after Noah had had this tremendous success, right, a life and work that changed the age, he got drunk. And I think that's a, a real reflection of how, you know, we are tempted, you know, when... Life is hard when we're under persecution. Maybe we turn to the Lord and we're constantly with Him. But when we've had a success, when life is at ease, we, we're capable of failure. This was King David's failure. 
Right? When he was under Saul's persecution, he was so wonderful. But his downfall began when his life was easy. He was on the rooftop looking down, and he saw a woman bathing. So coming back to this matter, the, the church life is also the kingdom. Uh, a, Noah and his family lived a life in resurrection. This life in resurrection was a shadow of the kingdom. And that, the verses that we just read in Matthew chapter 16 indicate that the church, right, upon this rock I will build my, my church. Uh, and then if you look down uh, further in the verse, I will give you to the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. So the church is also the kingdom. And that account of Noah there, he got drunk and one of his younger sons, his name was Ham, came in and saw him naked. He was so drunk, he undressed himself. I mean, you must be pretty drunk to do something like that. So he was naked in his tent and his younger son came in and saw him naked and then went out and told his two brothers, his older brother and his younger brother. So the sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It was Ham that went in, saw his father naked, and came out and talked about it. But then his two other sons got a, a, a garment and walked backwards, not looking at their father's nakedness, and covered their father. And when Noah woke up from his drunkenness, he cursed his younger son who had exposed his nakedness and talked about his failure in front of his brothers. And he basically put this son who did not recognize God's kingdom, God's ordination of Noah as the authority and he put this younger son under his other two brothers, even under the brother that was younger than him, because he was one that violated God's ordination of this kingdom that is the church. And so there's a lesson in this for us. You know, we live in this country that is blessed by God. I, I firmly believe this country has been blessed by God. And even today, I feel God needs this country to hold the world situation in a certain order so that the gospel can be preached and then the church life could be carried out in so many countries. You know, the gospel of the kingdom needs to be preached unto all the uttermost parts of the earth before the end comes. And so there's a need for a country like this to establish a certain world order and I'm not here waxing patriotic. I'm just here standing on God's side for His interest. That this country has been used for this, and I pray that it continues to be used by this. But you know, there's a very interesting thing in our Constitution, which is the Second Amendment. And it's a, somewhat of a controversial uh, amendment. Do you know why that's there? It's not the right to uh, be armed so you can protect your home from, from invaders. Do you know what, why that amendment is there? It's there so that if the government becomes oppressive, the people can overthrow the government. So, you know, there's something, you know, in our Constitution that gives us the right 
to overthrow an oppressive government. And while I cherish the freedom to preach the Word and have the church life in this country, we have to be careful to bring this kind of thought into God's kingdom. You know, in God's kingdom, there's a certain order. There are certain authorities. Uh, and in some cases, they may be wrong. And we may be tempted to lash out when things are wrong, when things are not according to our standard. Uh, we may say something. Even, even in the case of Noah, it, it wasn't Ham doing something you know, simply you know, to, to challenge Noah's uh, authority. It's simply to talk about him behind his back and expose his failure. And so there's a lesson here in this, in that uh, if we are to be proper in God's kingdom, actually, if we are to bear authority in God's kingdom, we need to be ones under authority. So let's, let's read this verse that, um, that touches this. Uh, actually, let's, let's read uh, Romans 14, 17 first uh, before we get to those verses. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this is just another verse that shows that the kingdom of God is the church life, uh, where it's not a matter of what we eat or drink. These, this is referring to uh, religious regulations. Uh, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit... But to have righteousness, peace, and joy, we need to be ones who know authority and come under authority. So B, the New Testament is a book of the kingdom of God. The entire New Testament is, the king, is on the kingdom. So let's read these verses from Matthew 8, 8 through 9. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not fit for you to enter under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he does it. Another one, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. So here the account is of the Lord Jesus healing the slave of a centurion. And you would think that the centurion would say, for I also am a man with authority. Isn't that what you would think that he would say? For the Lord to just speak a word and to heal the servant, you would think that the centurion would say, well, you know, you are a man of authority and you can just say something and it would be done. But notice here, he recognized that the Lord Jesus was not only a man with authority, he was a man under authority. And his authority derived from his submission to God. And from him being properly under God's government, with God himself as the king in that that kingdom. And so this centurion recognized this in the Lord. He recognized this was not only a man with authority, This was a man under authority. And so I I was in Chicago this past week. Uh, There were some work-related meetings I was attending. And 
Uh, there was this uh, police officer, there's a, a, a several police officers that were escorting, it looked like, you know, I was having breakfast in this hotel and you, you, as part of, you know, your, you know, the, the hotel fees that you pay, you get this free breakfast. Well, there are some people there that didn't, you know, didn't do that. They, f they found out there's a place where they can get some free food. So, you know, these police officers are escorting these people out. Um, you know, this is downtown Chicago. Uh, you know, after riding the subway system, I wasn't, I'm not surprised that that happened. So, you know, the police are escorting uh, these people out. And there's this police officer there. He's, he could probably be half my age, probably, you know, in his early 20s. And, you know, the elevator opened, and, you know, I was there. I was actually, you know, reading a Bible study. I was there on my phone. And I was about to get into the elevator, and, you know, he, just with this uh, rude, obnoxious, you know, power trip voice, he said, you know, stand back. And so, you know, I, I said nothing. I just stood back. And then the elevator doors opened, I was about to get in, and then, and then he said in the same way, in a, in a terrible tone of voice, uh, you get on the next one. And so, you know, I said nothing. Inwardly, it was a suffering. Uh, but yet, he was wearing that uniform. He was a person there representing the governmental authority. And so if I were to say something rebellious, that would be not a only an affront to the government that God has ordained, uh, but that also would be an affront to God's kingdom. He has set me here to be a citizen in this country, and I am to submit to authority. And if I do not submit that authority, when I come to the prayer meeting of the church, you know, we had a prayer meeting, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, and we prayed uh, that there would be Palestinians and Jews that would be reconciled to one another and to meet together and to break bread together Amen. in a church there, somewhere in, in, in either Israel or Palestine. We had this kind of prayer. Amen. We also prayed for the downfall of the Iranian regime, a regime that prevents the preaching of the gospel. There needs to be churches raised up in Iran. And the church has the authority to bring down these regimes that are anti-God. The church and the, the saints, the people of the church living in resurrection should have this kind of authority to bring down kingdoms through the prayer ministry of the church. But if we are not properly under authority, we will not have that kind of authority. And of course, there are, there's the proper authority. You know, I, there are some older brothers. You know, I'm, I'm approaching 50. There, there are some brothers that in my, you know, I, I serve the Lord full time. You know, these are brothers older than me, more experienced than me. How wonderful it is for me to be under their authority, to learn from them in humility. Such a blessing to me in my Christian life to be under these brothers. So... You know, on the one hand, there's the authority that is a suffering. There's also the proper authority that we will be blessed if we come under. Amen. 